You are listening to a sermon from Linworth Road Church. For more information about Linworth Road Church, please visit www.linworthroadchurch.com. So, hey, uh, morning. My name's Rich. In case this is your first Sunday here, I'm the family pastor. And, and I just want to welcome you if you definitely are a new visitor. And uh, if you're an old visitor, welcome too. Glad you're here. It's nice to see you too. Okay. But is anyone ready for a, a real warm and fuzzy message this morning? Yeah, 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 sorry. Anyways, <laughs> well, let's start off. How many people here love weddings? Okay, a few of you. Yeah, some of you got married. You should like that, okay? It's all right, okay? Well, my favorite part of the wedding is when uh, the couple exchanges vows. And to me, this is a, a very um, intense spiritual holy moment that happens in a wedding ceremony. There's some serious stuff that's going on there. Aaron and my wife and I, when we do premarital counseling, we instruct our couples here uh, that no matter what goes on, we want them to pay attention to this point in time. We encourage them, and they're probably going through the ears right now, to be in the moment when this happens here. And so um, when they take their vows, we want them to realize the the gravity of what they are doing, the promises that they are making. So to give you an example, here are some, some vows that you might hear at a wedding. First one here is that, uh, let's see if we'll get it up on the screen. There you go. Uh, From the moment you entered my world, you have filled it with life, color, and energy like never before, like Kool-Aid in a mud puddle, or a cupcake in a salad, or a rose garden in a junkyard. You are my rose, Jamie Marie, and I promise to devote my life to being your dirt. <laughs> I'm sure it was a spiritual holy moment at that time. Um, how about this one here? From this day forward, I promise to declaw our cat Fluffy so that <laughs> you are not scratched. Bummer for Fluffy. Okay, I will always make sure the litter box is clean and will keep Fluffly out of Spot's house. We're assuming that's a dog. I will love you for richer or poorer so long as Fluffly gets gourmet cat food. So important things happening in that marriage. Okay, and then the last one. I promise to be true to you, to uplift and support you, to frustrate and challenge you, and to share with you the beautiful moments of life. Someday, if the stars align, I might even let you win an argument. Oh. So seriously, though, um, you know, when a Christian couple uh, gets married, they, they do make a vow, a secret promise to the person that they love before themselves, before a congregation, and before God. And so they give this promise. They promise to give all of their lives full devotion, total commitment to that person. They vow to love the person with all of themselves. They vow to love them from this time forward until death do they part, to honor and to keep them in sickness and in health, to be faithful, forsaking all others for as long as they both shall live, for better, for worse, for richer or poor, to love and to cherish. And at the end, many, they, many of them say, thereto I pledge you my faith. So in other words, I'm all in. I'm all in to you. I'm all into this marriage. I've counted the cost. You've captured my heart. Let's go. Let's go ahead and do this. I am fully committed to you. 
So if you really believe that these vows are real, they're serious, we're talking about total commitment. And that's what you did when you got married. They've been asked by the pastor to make a total commitment to one another. And so inherent in this is a cost that we assume that we make when we take these vows. We know that it is going to be tough at times. But the cost is that there's no turning back. We are all in. We're forsaking all others. We're leaving our parents. We're cleaving. It's going to cost all of who we are if it is going to work out for us. And so in a way, when we make vows, we make promises like this in a wedding ceremony, it defines the parameters of that relationship. Now, as we continue in our series in Luke, we're about to hear some very direct and challenging words from Jesus about what it means to be in a committed relationship with him. And so much like the wedding vows, Jesus defines this relationship. He sets the parameters. He tells us what it takes to follow him, to become a disciple, to be married, if you will, to him. And he's asking if we want to come along and if we want to agree to them. So this morning, I believe the Lord wants to ask us some tough questions. But they're good questions, important questions, and they're questions that have eternal value to them. And Jesus' directness and the gravity of his remarks here show how seriously he takes the call to following him, the call to discipleship. And that's because the kingdom of God is serious business. Because the reality is, is that it deals with life and death. So I want to challenge you this morning. And I'm going to ask you to let Jesus' word engage you. I want you to be asking yourself about your relationship with God. I want to challenge you to do some self-evaluation. I want you to look for yourself in these vignettes that we're going to take a look at, this story here. I want you to think about and define what your relationship with Jesus is today, this morning here at Linworth. So what is it? Is it, is it? Maybe it's none. Perhaps you're here and you're visiting and you're exploring who Jesus is. And so you, you are not a Christ follower at this point. And so maybe it's not there yet. Maybe you're somewhat committed. Maybe when you're committed when it's, it's comfortable and when it works out okay, but when it gets tough, maybe not quite. Maybe you are all in. You know, sometimes... Biblical examination asks us to take a long, hard look in the mirror and make some changes to access and to readjust um, and affor or affirm as needed. If we believe 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture is inspired for God, by God and profitable for teaching, for, for reproof, and for correction, and for training in righteousness, then this is going to be good for us. So before we go any further, let's go ahead and pray and let's invite the Holy Spirit to help examine our hearts uh, this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, you give us instruction uh, through your word, but not only that, through your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you to, to help us to um, be real with you, to examine our hearts, to assess where we are in our relationship with you. Uh, am, I a, am I a complete and all-in follower of you, or is there movement and room for me to grow in this? Speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Okay, so the question we want to answer this morning is this. Is there a cost to following Jesus? We're going to look at four quick incidents as Jesus begins his journey towards Jerusalem to get an answer. And so if this is your first Sunday here, have you heard we've been walking through uh, the Gospel of Luke and we're in chapter 9 at this time here. And so the last three involve three persons who are challenged by Jesus on what it takes to follow Jesus. So we'll have one story. We'll talk about um, Jesus sending some people, uh, some guys ahead to a uh, town. But then we're going to take a look at three stories after that. So um, I want you to stand, and we're going to read God's Word here, Luke chapter 9, 51 through 62. If you don't have a Bible with you, you in uh, the Pew Bible, it's on page 868. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was, not, because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and he rebuked them. And they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Then yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. You can go ahead and take your seat there. So beginning here in this chapter 9, uh, starting verse 51, there is a monumental shift. And so there's, up until this point, there's a change in direction that is, is happening here. And so it marks a turning point in Luke's narrative of Christ's life and the ministry in this gospel. So up until this point, Luke is focused uh, on Jesus coming, being uh, born and coming to this point where then he's going to start moving towards his ascension. And so um, the focus is no longer on him coming, but the focus now is on him going. And we pick up in verse 51 here. This begins the section by showing that Jesus, in a very, very determined way, prepared to finish what he had started. It says that when the days drew near for him to be taken up, uh, which is his ascension, the very last couple of uh, verses in Luke, we'll, we'll get to that uh, eventually, I think sometime in the year 2025, but we will get there, okay. But Luke is most likely, he, he is here, he's drawing on the imagery of Isaiah 57, which is a, a messianic servant song uh, where it says that he set his face towards Jerusalem. Another translation put it this way, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And one commentator put it this way, it says that Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem he not only determined to make the journey, and the picture drawn here is that he resolutely tightened his lips, he set his jaw, and he fixed his eyes on the cross 
and his resurrection. Every story he told, every miracle he performed, and every conversation in which he engaged from this point on has the cross pulsating in the back of his mind. So Jesus now, in uh, concluding and beginning this journey to the end here, he's in this process, and he makes this turn, and in making this turn, he then tells us what it takes to be on this journey with him. Our first incident is found in uh, verse 53 as Jesus begins this journey to Jerusalem. In the first incident, um, let me go ahead and read that for you again. It says, and, well, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered the village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and he rebuked them and then went on to another village here. And so we read this story here. There's, there's this uh, Jesus experience of rejection from the Samaritans. And so James and John, of course, being the guys that they are, um, you know, what would you do if somebody doesn't agree with you? Call fire down from heaven, right? You know, have you ever wanted to call down fire from heaven? Dude, that is the last time you cut me off. Lord, thank you, Jesus, right? Yeah. Uh, no, James and John, they're, just, uh, they're still trying to understand who Jesus is and what uh, Jesus' uh, uh, work is and where he's going and what he's doing and what he is about. Disciples, they can't seem to get out of their own way. I don't know if you remember last week, Pastor Chris was, was just pointing out last week about their pride and how their, their pride just keeps getting in the way here. And so I think they were just trying to channel a little bit of uh, Elijah who called down fire from heaven in, in 2 Kings here. But they're missing the way. They're missing the point. They're missing the point of Jesus loving the people into, into eternity and not burning them into uh, eternity. They weren't quite there yet in understanding the nature of Jesus' mission. Jesus came to save those who reject him by dying into their place that they might see his love and sacrifice for them. And what's interesting is that we find in Acts chapter 1 that the Samaritans become some of the first people to embrace the gospel. So instead of Jesus going there and saying, yeah, you need to get mad at these people, no, he said, let's move on. We'll take care of that later. All right, let's go ahead and get to the meat of the passage where we wanted to get to here. So remember, we're looking to answer, is there a cost to following Jesus? And what follows is three incidents where which help us see what it really means to be a follower and what it really means to be a disciple of Christ and answer our question. Now, I promise you that uh, Jesus' answers are going to challenge you. You've already read it, and you've probably gone through this part of the Bible before. Maybe you've just kind of skipped over it. Not really, you know, was wondering what that all meant here. And if I'm be honest, it might get a little uncomfortable as we examine this and take a little look at it. So in, in, in chapter 9, verse 23, if you remember, just going back just a bit, Jesus already has prepped us by saying that if we want to follow him, we must deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. And so here Jesus gives us three examples of people who, who are potential followers of him who want to follow Jesus, who want to become his disciples, who say that they're all in. And here's what we find. 
as we begin walking into these incidents with Jesus, um, I want you to do some self-evaluation. I want you to think about yourself. I want you to think about your life. I don't want you to be evaluating your friends. I don't want you to be evaluating your spouse and where they are. I don't want you to be evalu evaluating your kids and where they are. This is about you and Jesus. You got it? Good. Okay. Now, as we look at them, I want you to honestly ask yourself the question, what truly is your relationship with Jesus? And what is it? What does it look like? How close is it? Am I all in? Am I partially in? What does it look like in your life? What is my commitment level to him? I'm all in. I've counted the cost, and I'm willing to risk everything that is important in my life for Jesus. Are you there? Maybe you're not there yet, but you're exploring. Maybe you're a weekend Jesus warrior. Some of the time, mostly, but not all of the time. Maybe you're at a comfortable place, and as long as nothing rocks the boat, your relationship with, with God is okay, you're not mad at him. Or is it that you like to have a relationship with Jesus with all the benefits and then just some of the commitments? Perhaps it's been a very every once in a while relationship. It reminds me of a story that I came across um, recently here. And uh, it says this. It's a true story about a preacher who was standing at the door. He was shaking hands with the congregation. And as, the congr as they departed after his message, and he grabbed one man by the hand, and he pulled him aside, and he said, and the preacher said to him, you need to join the army of the Lord. So it must be kind of like a Southern Baptist you know, thing here, and I'd do it in an accent, but I'd kill it, so I'm not going to do it. And the man replies, I'm already in the army of the Lord, preacher. And the preacher questioned, well, how come I don't see you except for Christmas and Easter? And he whispered back to the preacher, I'm in the secret service. So... <laughs> So as we ask, you know, exactly, you know, what is your comfort level, let me, let me temper um, this a little bit. As, as you do your self-evaluation, like, yeah, I'm all the way in. I'm there. I really, I love Jesus. I sing this song. I'm, I feel I'm close there, okay? And so let's temper this a little bit as, as while we're hearing these scenarios. According uh, to the reveal survey that we took, many of you here uh, took that survey, and we appreciate that. Um, looking at those people who are said that they're growing in Christ or either close to Christ or Christ-centered, um, the percentage of us who strongly agreed when asked, am I willing to risk everything that is important in my life for Jesus, it, it was a little interesting, okay? Uh, to be honest, it was not stellar, okay? Um, but at the same time, um, I appreciate that, that when you answered that question, and that's an extremely tough question, it is asking a very big thing, that you were honest with it. And as you thought about it, and as you, answered, as you answered it here. And I realize that we're all in different places in our walk. For some of us, it's like, wait, no way, I'm not even, I can't even sniff that question. But others of us have been walking with the Lord for many, many, many years. And, uh, and, we, and we're still wrestling with that question. Um, 
I still wrestle with that question. I feel like sometimes, yeah, I'm all in. I feel like I some things in my life I've done where I'm all in, but then other times I feel like, no, I'm not. I mean, it's, it's evident that I'm not here. So um, just realize that it is a very hard statement, and uh, I, I understand um, that you probably answer that very honestly. So. so let's take a look at our first scenario in verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? See, you're not as, you know, you're not, if you're not, my mind goes, I've told you this many times, it goes different places, okay? Mine went to Ricky Nelson, right? So you're older, I will follow you wherever you may go, right? No? Yeah? Okay. All right. Well, that's where I went, so excuse me, all right? But anyways, but here we have someone who's obviously, obviously he's been impacted by, by Jesus, and he wants more. He expresses a, a willingness here to go along with Jesus, a desire to follow Jesus wherever he goes. He says, Jesus, I am there. I am there. I'm with you. And that's a pretty bold statement from the parallel passage in Matthew 8. We know that this person is a scribe, and so he's got to be a person who is, is somewhat well-to-do. He has a position um, of, of authority. Uh, he's probably well thought of. He's probably living a very comfortable life but he's definitely captured by jesus there's something about him that he's ready to say i will follow you wherever you go well let's see how jesus answers him so in verse 58 jesus said to him foxes have holes excuse me the birds of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head now it's not a rejection but it's it's a warning Following Jesus does not lead to comfort. It's not going to be an easy road. That's what Jesus is saying. This guy really doesn't have any idea where and what he is signing up for. And so Jesus is giving him a reality check. And so Jesus being Jesus, he knows that when he came right down to it, that this person here, this man, loved comfort more than he followed him. That's why he gave him that challenge. He told him that. And Jesus uses this to communicate that one of the costs of following him wholeheartedly. Think about Jesus himself, right? If you, you wanted to follow him at that time, uh, he had no creature comforts as a man. He had no place to call home. He had no earthly security. Uh, every single night he had to lay his head down someplace different. He didn't own a home. He had to borrow, as we'll see later, a donkey to ride into Jerusalem. Ultimately, he's, he's buried, was buried in a borrowed tomb. And so he had nothing, earth, nothing of earthly value. And so those who follow him, they've got to be prepared to take the same road that he was going to take. And then how this plays out here in our 21st century lives, um, I don't know. We don't know. I don't, we, we're all individuals. But it is a question that is asked of us. And God does speak directly and specifically to us individually in our immediate circumstances but that doesn't lessen the call of what jesus is asking here the big question becomes when he asks what is our answer to that come and follow me it's it's not going to be easy so this first story taps into our desire for comfort doesn't it especially here in america um no matter where you are in economic skill we, scale we're we doing pretty good we are pretty comfortable and so jesus is asking you know 
no, it's not going to be easy. Follow me. Come with me. I don't have anything. You want me to do what, Jesus? You want, you want me to go, go, go there? You want me to leave my house and my, my stuff? You want me to, to, you know, maybe leave my job? You want me to do what? Go where? You're asking a lot, Jesus. And so Jesus looks at this first person here, and he basically says, are you sure? You sure you want to do this? You sure you want to say yes? You sure you want to follow me? It might be hard. I can't guarantee you anything. Are you willing to give up all your comforts? Are you willing to give up your position? Are you willing to give up your status? Are you willing to be, uh, be, be laughed at? Are you willing to be called a fool by the world if you say yes to me, to follow me? You know, one couple I think of in this, and there, there's many, and you know, uh, Mike and Sue Cater, um, they were, uh, Mike was one of the founding pastors here um, many years ago. And him and his uh, wife Sue, they are 70, 70 years old. I think they have seven kids right around there or something and about 4,000 grandchildren, okay? <laughs> but they're like, they're living uh, overseas and um, they, they move around a little bit, but are they in Nepal now? They're in Nepal. You know, he's been thrown in prison. He's, he's, you know, he's had injuries over there, 70 years old, and he is on fire for the Lord. Jesus said, I want you to go, and he said, okay, let's go. There's not going to be any creature comforts here. He eats weird food, hot, spicy food, right? Yeah, and, uh, and, but he's there, and I think of a person like that who, who fits this description here. So uh, to our question, is there a cost of following Jesus? The first answer is yes. It may cost you comfort uh, or a comfortable life. Okay, let's move on to our second potential follower. Verse 59. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, lead the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So this is a little bit different here as Jesus now is the one that's, is, is the one that's uh, asking. And we can also gather here that Jesus, being Jesus, knew that this man also wanted to follow him. He could see. And so therefore he asked him, hey, follow me. At first glance, Jesus' answer here, it's, a, it's pretty rough, isn't it? It's a little shocking. Um, I mean, all he wants to do is bury his dead father. It's a reasonable request. And then Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. And um, let me just quickly shed some light on it. It's not going too far into this, but most commentators uh, come to the conclusion that, that based on Jewish customs, that if his dad was dead, he would not be there because, the dad, because they, they bury their dead very quickly. Um, and so if he had died, he wouldn't have been there following Jesus for these days when Jesus asked him here. The reality of this is that he is using it as an excuse in essence, when my parents die, when, when that's all done, then I will come and follow you. And so Jesus was measuring his heart. But I want you to notice one of the first words out of his mouth. It's the word first. He says, yes, but first. The first thing he does is he puts Jesus off. He says, yes, I want to follow you. I really, really do, but not right now. Now it's not a good time. Can I wait? I've got some family obligations. 
you know, mom and, and dad, and I just got to kind of wait. I got to take care of things here. And so when they're gone, when they're dead, then I'm ready to follow you. I really like what you're doing, but I'm not ready to commit right now. Commit right now. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Friends, the point that Jesus is making here, and, and let's not make any mistake about it here, is that if you're going to follow Jesus, he comes before anything and anyone. Jesus said in Matthew 10, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. One commentator said this, he says, now you get the picture of the kind of devotion that he is calling for. He's not calling for us to dishonor parents or shirk our responsibility to family, but if we are pressed into a choice between the two, he comes first. And indeed, we know some people have had to lose family in order to say yes to Jesus. Uh, we know some of our Muslim, Muslim friends who have had to say, who have said yes to Jesus and their family has said no to them. We know friends who have gone into the mission field where maybe their parents aren't uh, Christ followers and it's so confusing for the parents to, you, you're going to do what? You're going to go, you're going to quit your your six-figure job and you're going to go to a village in where and do what and you're going to bring my grandchild with you what are you going to do what are you doing you're crazy is this jesus stuff you're just too it's too serious now when 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 jesus causes us to follow him we don't default to we're going to a small village in you know whatever timbuktu i don't even know where timbuktu is in Timbuktu, and we're going to, you know, no, no, no. It's all at different levels. But the call is serious. And when I think of us as a, as a, as a church, as a community of believers here, I know that, that uh, many of you, that you, your love for the Lord is big. It's great. And your love is evident to see. It's evident when you, and I see you worshiping. It's evident when you fellowship one another. It's, it's evident as you participate in the things that are going on and participate uh, in the things of the kingdom of God. But if we were to ask the hard question that Jesus is basically asking, can we honestly say that we love the Lord more than anyone or anything? Is he the priority in our lives and as I said before if I honestly answer that sometimes it's yes and sometimes as the world gets into my face it's no I think we all would have to agree that our love for the Lord could increase friends Jesus challenges us that he must be our priority and the passion of our hearts if we were to follow him in a way that honors not us, but it honors him and it praises him and it pleases him. Now let me get back to that uh, statement before about it being right now. In essence, Jesus is, is, is calling on this person to follow him and the first thing he does is once again, he puts Jesus off. 
I want to follow, I really do, but not right now. It's not a good time. Now, you may be here this morning, and you've never accepted the call of Jesus. He's been asking you to follow him. He's asking you to be a Christ follower, to accept him as your Lord and Savior. You know the Holy Spirit has been knocking on your heart. You know he's real. You know God's word is real. You know you're right up there. You know you want to turn your life over to Christ. He's been calling you. And something is holding you back. Something is holding you back. And maybe like this man, you're saying, yes, yes, but not right now. I got to get my life a little bit more in order. Uh, I'm, I'm just not good enough. There's a few boxes I have to check to get to that place where I think you're going to accept me. Maybe you feel like you don't have all the answers. You, you haven't asked all the questions. You're never going to get all the answers. But you know. I remember in my life um, getting to this place in my relationship. I was fighting God so much. I mean, I, I checked everything. I read everything. I, I did all the apologetic stuff. And I really didn't have any good arguments. And, and for whatever reason, I just I couldn't stop. I couldn't step over the line. Jesus said, come follow me. I said, nope, ain't going to do it. But I did get to that point. And it was just, it was surprising and it was wonderful and it was amazing. And it was just a matter of just saying, okay, God, you win. I know you're, okay, you win. And maybe that's you this morning. Okay, God, you win. You love me so much. His arms are open. I'm willing to fall into your arms. I'm willing to take that step. And so if that's you this morning, I want you to close your eyes right now. I want, you to, I want you to step over that line. Jesus is following you. He's knocking on your heart. He's asking you to come to him. The Bible says now is the time for salvation. Right now, right this time. I want everybody to bow your head, close your eyes. And if that's you, you've been fighting this for a while, you know it's real, you know it's time. Right now, right this moment, I want you to pray with me. Just pray something like this, Jesus, I know, I know you're real. I believe that you died on a cross for my sins and that you were raised from the dead and that you conquered death for me, that you paid for my sins. Lord, I can see you. you your arms are open for me to receive. To, to come into them. You receive me just the way I am right now at this moment, this time, here at Linworth Church on this day. Father, forgive me for me battling against you. Forgive me for the sins I have committed. Will you forgive me? Will you accept me? Jesus says, yes. Come, follow me. Be my son. Be my daughter. If you prayed that in your heart, you believe that, then you now have passed from life to death. Amen. Amen. All right, so back to our question. Is there a cost to following Jesus? Yes. Jesus is telling us that the choice to follow him and to be his disciple, first of all, is costly. Um, excuse me. It is costly. First, he's saying that um, it might cost you comfort. And then, yes, it may cost you relationally. 
is you say yes to them, some people in your life will not understand, and it may cost you some relationships. How many, but how many here know Ryan and Kristen Kavanaugh? Um, they went here for a while, and uh, they go to one of our sister churches. They have some twins, just turned one year old, and uh, they're really cute, by the way. And uh, they decided that the Lord is calling them to China. And they're, they're, they're just leaving here in a, just a couple of weeks, and um, if not even sooner. She quit her job. She just got done coming off of um, having the kids and getting a job back and everything. And, and, and they got called. They figured this is where God wants us. Follow me. And, and so you just imagine her saying, saying uh, hey, family, hey, mom, hey, sis, hey, nephews, niece, whatever. Got to go. Sorry, you won't be able to see us again for a while. You don't get to see these cute little one-year-old uh, granddaughters anymore. And that's a relational pool. They're saying yes to Jesus. And in, in any family, that is a relational pool. And so sometimes it, it, uh, it, it feeds into our relationships here. Friends, kingdom building is serious business. And why is it serious business? Because it has forever consequences, all right? Eternal consequences. It's so important that it would cost the life of God's son for you and me. Let's quickly go ahead and look at um, our third scenario. Verses 61, 62, it says, Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Mm, wow. So this guy is kind of like the first guy. All right, He initiates the conversation with Jesus. He tells Jesus, hey, I want to follow you, but like our second guy who Jesus called, he also has a condition, follow me. Follow me. He says, uh, but yes, or, or but I have something else to do. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even give Jesus a chance to say anything before. He puts a condition out there. And so he, it is he setting the condition, I'll follow you, but, but. And Jesus responds, man, ouch. Very direct, very sure, very serious. And again, on the surface, it doesn't seem like an unreasonable request, right? Um, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus' response, again, it's difficult to hear. He clearly spells out the cost of following him here. And then if you look at these verses, there's kind of a nuance in these verses, uh, that, uh, that sometimes we don't catch. Jesus is saying that, in, in a way, you have said you are ready to follow. As a matter of fact, and here's the key to this, you've already picked up the plow. You've already started. You've picked up the plow. Your hands are on the plow. If you put it down now because you have things to t take care of at home, you want to say goodbye to everyone, you have some things that you want to finish so that when you've taken care of your own agenda, when you've taken care of your own priorities, then you're going to be ready to follow me. If that's the case, Jesus says that you are not fit for the kingdom of God. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying don't, don't look back. I am your priority now. Uh, not your agenda, but my agenda. Not your priorities, but my priorities. And so back to our question here. Is there a cost to following Jesus? Yes. It may cost you comfort. It may cost you relationally. And lastly, it may cost you your agenda, your priorities. 
When we say or have said that we want to be a disciple of Jesus, he says to us, I need you to be all in. He's not looking for half-hearted followers. I don't want you, you know, half in looking over your shoulder as to maybe I'm missing something. Maybe the world is, is telling me, man, that stuff looks good, man. Did you see that new Netflix? Uh, yeah, oh, God, yeah, whatever it is. We have the hand on the plow. If you have your hand on the plow, you've made that step towards Jesus. He doesn't want you looking over the back and over your back. He wants to be the only thing in your life. Okay. How's your self-evaluation going? As you've heard these three scenarios, as you think about your relationship, uh, your discipleship relationship with Jesus, how would you define it between you and him? What exactly is your commitment level to Jesus? How do you answer the statement, I am willing to risk everything that is important in my life for Jesus? How do you answer that? Now, in my life, I've had a few times, and they're not moving to the ends of the earth, dramatic things where God has said, hey, follow me. Um, you know, he works with us individually in these areas when he says, follow us. And when we make a commitment, and, and you know, my first, my first incident would be uh, deciding to, to um, sell my insurance business I had for many years and then and, and go into ministry and, and uh, help pastor a small church. Uh, and then another one was to, um, uh, as God calls it, hey, follow me, I want you to come to Columbus. And, uh, and we said, okay. We sold our house. We left our family, friends. We had grown up there, everybody that we knew. And, and so that's not, you know, it's not like crazy huge. But for us and our family, my kids and us, there was, was a time. There was a point in, in the li- line. So are you going to follow me? You're going to say yes? And when we said yes, and we s- said, okay, we're not going back. Right? And we sold things. And so that was a commitment. God knows our needs. Jesus in Matthew uh, 6 uh, 25 talks about seeking first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. He talks about in that section of scripture about, you know, don't, don't be anxious, don't be worried about things. I'm going to take care of you. I, I, I can take care of your food. I can take care of your clothing. Uh, I take care of the birds. I, ca- I take care of them. So if you say yes to me, don't, don't worry about that. I want you to follow me. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things, all these things you're worried about, I, I got you. I got your back. It may not be the way that you have ordered it, but I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. So finishing up here, I don't know if you noticed this, but um, in all three stories, we don't hear the ending. There's really, we, don't, we don't find out really what happens with these guys here. Uh, we don't know what their response was. And maybe Luke just did this on purpose. Maybe he did this so that as we read this, we have to wonder, we have to wrestle through the questions, we have to ask and personalize these questions to ourselves. And so, you know, what am I going to do with this challenge that Jesus, as he's answered these people, to follow him first, to follow him completely, to really make him number one in, in my life? So, is there a cost of following Jesus? Yes, there is. It may cost you comfort. It may cost you relationally. And finally, it may cost you your own agenda, your priorities.
all of this is very challenging and sobering in, in certain ways, but we, we, can't, we can't leave it there, okay? And I don't want to leave you there. All right? I want to ask you one more final question. The question that we have to ask, is it worth it? Is it worth it? So let me put this all in perspective. Um, and it might help us answer that question. Um, I read this from a study. I put it together here. Uh, and it really hit home with me. It really challenged me. So I just want to share this with you. Um, see, following Jesus is much more like heading out on a hard but rewarding journey. It's like joining a mission with huge stakes, massive challenges, sacrifices, but an end goal so worthwhile that whatever the cost, it doesn't matter. We will go. We will keep on the path. We will fight on. We will push on. We will overcome because following Jesus, is that worth it? This is what it means to follow Jesus. Not that it will sit back and we become a believer and we expect to have all these wonderful experiences where God will richly bless us and will forever have everything that we want and need and that we will be pampered and that we will lead a life of luxury, but rather that we will be invited into a cause so grand, a mission so critical, where not only do earthly lives hang in the balance, but all of eternity. People that we love are lost. They're alone. They're wandering around in the dark. Their journey about to take them over a steep cliff where they will be destroyed on the rocks below. They've been blinded. They've been deceived. They're being tempted by things that might taste nice, in the moment, but are poisonous. And it's like Jesus. He comes to us. He has a hard hat on. He's got hiking boots on. He's got a map. He's, he's got a nice 1949 Ford truck, and he puts <laughs> the map, he puts it on there, okay? On, unfolds the map. He looks around. He says, okay, my kids, they're lost in the woods. Who's going to go with me? Who's going to follow me? Who's going to go find them? Who's going to go seek them out? Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Come follow me and I will take you on this grand adventure. Come follow me. I love you. I need you. I want you. I'm going to use you. Will you follow me with everything? Will you do what I asked of you? It's a grand adventure, folks. A grand adventure. And it's worth everything. Worship team, why don't you go ahead and come up? We're going to go ahead and finish up here. So what are some of the things we can do to, to kind of move towards this, uh, these things that the Lord has been asking of us? The first thing I want to do is I want to encourage you to, to just spend some time with Jesus. You can't just listen to a message, I believe, like this or read this section of Scripture and go, oh, that was interesting. That was, yeah. No, I believe the Holy Spirit is he's working. He's moving in this room. He's asking you to ask yourself the question, where am I with Jesus? How am, how in am I? And just confess to the Lord. So you're going to have to carve out a little bit of time. You're going to say, okay, you know, Monday at lunch, half an hour. I'm going to spend some time with you, Lord. But confess to the Lord how you feel, how you feel about this message, how you feel about the words, uh, his words. And, and don't beat yourself up, okay? I don't want you to beat yourself up. Don't shame yourself if you feel bad here okay if you're feeling some remorse that's okay 
That's okay. God is moving you towards himself. This section of scripture, man, it's challenging because Jesus is serious about his love for you and his creation. His desire is that people will follow him, but he wants them to think it through first. He wants you to think it through, to count the cost involved so that once you do decide, once people do decide to follow him, there's no going back. Secondly, step out in faith that God will meet you. Go all in trusting that he will take care of your relationships, your family, the things that you hold on that keep you from going all in. Emesh the Lord in every area of your life, not just on Sundays, just not at life group, not just in your quiet time. Say yes when the Holy Spirit nudges you. Be willing to risk to be a fool to the world. And then finally, number three, this is an adventure worth taking. Most of you know that uh, um, I'm taking a backpacking trip here two weeks uh, to the eastern Sierras in California. Five days in the Sierra backcountry with my son and my son-in-law. And um, all the things I have to do to get ready for it, man, are so worth it. And, and um, you know, I got to spend a lot of money. Aaron's not too happy about it, but, um, um, but it's also, I think it's going to be worth putting my body through it. My body is not, I mean, I'm, just, I'm celebrating my 60th birthday. Uh, and, you know, many of you know that I've mean, I got things going on with the old body. I've had fusion surgery here, so I'm putting this pad, backpack on. I'm going to go up to the mountains. I'm not telling my surgeon that that's what I'm doing. So, he, and, and, but I'm doing it. It's worth putting my body through it. Um, I see the prize. I've seen the pictures. It looks amazing. But it's nothing. It's nothing compared to what the Lord has for us. And so let's join Paul, as he says in Philippians 3.14, and press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus. Amen.